Yes. Welcome back to the Hardly Knowledgeable Podcast. This is episode eight. It is Thursday night. I think it's January 27th. I was going to say 23rd, so good thing we're a little bit later than 23rd now. Uh, it's January 27th. Um, I'm joined here by uh, Drew Schoenberger, you know, the new legend, Drew Schoenberger, over there. Uh, and that is all. No, Bryson tonight. He has to watch middle school basketball. So imagine loser. middle school. But yeah, loser. The fair flyers um is who he's watching uh for those of you who don't know about the flyers pretty uh pretty smash mouth basketball they play over there and there hey listen uh, bryson's a good family member i don't know if i'd be watching my cousins play middle school basketball but definitely not if they went to shout, shout out to bryson for yeah making the trip definitely. there Shout out to Bryson for even going to Thayer for anything besides uh, the two steakhouses there. All right. That's right. If you're from around there, you know. All right. Oh, you know. You know. You know. All right. All right. So, Drew, we're going to talk about the crazy weekend of sports we had last week. We're going to go ahead and start off with uh, the Kansas State Wildcats playing host of the Kansas Jayhawks in the Oceana Doom. We really thought it was going to be a different game at halftime. Some of us did. I never thought I never thought it was going to be a different game at halftime, but I don't think anybody expected the Cats to show up and shoot the way they did and play defense the way they did. Drew, what are your takeaways uh, from that first half? Yeah, so in the first half, I I was expecting a good game, but I was expecting a game where KU probably doesn't hit a lot of shots because K-State's good defensively, and like we talked about, they can match up with them good defensively, and then, you know, K-State had been shooting the ball a little bit better, so they'd probably make some shots, and it'd be a close game throughout, and I'd be sweating. And then, you know, Nigel Pack had – I don't remember how many points he had at half, but I think he made like six threes in the first half, so he probably had at least 20. Um, He just wasn't missing. The other guys weren't missing. Marquise Noel hit an and one where he was parallel to the freaking ground. Like, And then KU wasn't playing bad offensively, but they just weren't keeping pace with K-State, and then – you look up and you're down almost 20 and a half in a hostile road environment. And, you know, it was kind of, it's pretty crazy. I, you know, we'll get into the second half. I felt like KU could come back, but you know, if K-State was going to shoot the way they were shooting, there's just no, you know, I've seen that all before in the tournament with KU where you play a team and they don't miss from three and you lose. And that's how, that's how it goes sometimes. But what were you, what's going through your mind? Well, I never really thought that the Cats were going to pull it out. You know, it was surprising the game Nigel Nigel Pack had. But Bruce Weber's not one to make halftime adjustments um, or make adjustments on the fly when he definitely needed to, you know, at some point in time in the second half. Uh, nobody else was – or Mark Smith wasn't didn't really have a good game. Um, he – I think he opened up and just didn't have a good game. And he didn't shoot the ball at all from three. And I think that's that right there and the fact that the – Stadium didn't play Sandstorm are the two reasons why the uh, Cats why the Cats didn't pull that one out. Um, but offensive rebounding was terrible. The fact that KU didn't have a foul called on him in the last 10 minutes, probably uh, probably not the best of looks for the Big 12 Conference officiating. Uh, so that kind of helped Kansas get their way back into the game. Both teams were in the bonus uh, with like 11 minutes left in the game. So they were calling some ticky-tacky stuff that just turned out to be one way and one way only there towards the end. Um, but other than that, you know, classic game from the Cats. Didn't really expect them to win even when they were up by 16 at half. Um, they were shooting the ball well, but, you know, the team that lives by the three dies by the three. And I thought uh, the shots were going to dry up, and they did, and they lost. Uh, 
Um, so you know what? It is what it is. We'll see. We'll see him in Lawrence. Um, so moving on from that, we're going to go uh, to KU's Monday, big Monday game against oh. the Ramblin' or no, not the Ramblin' Rack, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, two overtimes, two overtimes that thing went into, and it was a good game. Uh, assisted again, the the Walkhogs got an assist in an Allen Fieldhouse, but uh, Drew, what do you think of the game and how it went down? Hold on, give me one second. At this point in time, I'd like to point out to our segment sponsors. Um, okay. We don't have any segment sponsors. so um, Sorry, technical difficulties on my end. Yeah, Waldrew's gone. Segment sponsors, none of them. Drew, take it away. Academy Sports and Outdoors. Oh, sorry. So, um, <laughs> no, they're not sponsoring yet. Maybe someday. Um, yeah, so that game on Monday was pretty crazy. You know, you have a, you know, you have an emotional win on the road on Saturday and you had to turn around and play two days later. I always, I mean, I'm, you know, every team has to do it or some teams have to do it every week, but it kind of sucks playing on a Monday night once you just played on Saturday, but that's how the schedule goes. But, you know, KU had control of that game in Allen Fieldhouse for the most part. And we're up 12 in the second half. And it looked like we were just going to pull away with it and get revenge for a team that beat us on the, on the road, our only big 12 loss. And then we decided to blow a 12 point lead let them get some offensive rebounds on some free throws and whatnot and goes to overtime. And then in overtime, it looked like we were just out of gas and Texas Tech was going to win. And then Ochai Abaji hits a great three to tie the game. And then KU had the momentum back. And then playing center wasn't McCormick or Lightfoot. It was freshman KJ Adams playing center in overtime. Had a couple big rebounds, had a couple big offensive rebounds that helped KU put the game away by three. Uh, wasn't the way I wanted KU to win that game, but Texas Tech's a good team, so I'm glad to get a win. You know, it's tough to get wins in the conference, but you, I'd like I would like KU to play more games like the West Virginia game where they were able to just put them away and you know win by a lot. But I'll take I'll take a win against a good team. So, yeah. Drew, I think this conference is too good to put put a bunch of teams away and win by a lot. I, know. Um, I think this conference is historically good. We'll find out this weekend how good they are. But um, K-State uh, had a road test, you know, the gauntlet. And first of all, I'm very pleased that they went two and two in this four four game gauntlet. But um, they went to Baylor and uh, they didn't shoot the ball very well, didn't rebound the ball very well. This is that's something that's uh, turning into a problem the lack of rebounding defensively and offensively uh they lost by 25 and that's that they didn't play good at all so drew did you see any of it i i did not i was driving but i was trying to follow it and it looked like baylor had control most of the game just kind of dominated i was i mean on the baylor front like baylor had been struggling a little bit in big 12 play they had lost back-to-back home games a couple weeks ago so for them you know, good to, you know, blow a team out because that's pretty rare in this conference. But game probably says more about K-State than it does about Baylor. We know how good Baylor is. K-State, you know, I was wondering if the two-game winning streak they had against Texas Tech and then going on the road to beat Texas, I was wondering if that was like a total fluke or what. And then first half of the KU game, it didn't look like a fluke at all. And then, I don't know, 
just come back down to earth, you know, you're on the road, not shooting as well happens, but yeah, Selton Miguel went down. I don't know if he'll be out for a while. You know, you hope not since he's one of your guards and he's probably your best defender. Um, so it looked pretty bad. Um, ankle wise, I think, so. you know, K-State's kind of out of the tournament picture right now. It's not looking great, but if you you had to beat an Ole Miss team on the road on Saturday. That's like barely above 500 if you want to keep keep in this thing. In theory, K-State and uh, Ole Miss are equals, but not in practice because of the conference that these two teams are from. Um, yeah, I mean, the so SEC is pretty good, but – They're not I, as good as the Big 12. I mean, the thing about having a 10-team conference is that there's no, like, bottom feeder. Like, K-State is the – quote-unquote bottom feeder, but, like, they beat Texas Tech and Texas back-to-back. Like, that's what they – I will push do. back on you a little bit. You know, the, I don't think that's the number thing. I mean, uh, K-State won five – what, three Big 12 games last year? Five Big 12 games last year? Iowa State didn't win any. Um, I don't think the number of teams in the conference really matters. I think the investment in basketball across the conference is impressive. And that's well, I just why. mean this year. Like, last year, yeah, you kind of had two teams that – yeah. You could be so, up on, but so I mean, so you're saying in the in the challenge, since there are 13 teams in the SEC and 10 teams in the Big 12, it helps the Big 12 that they don't have a bottom feeder. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying, like in terms of the conference, like Ole Miss and K State have like similar records, but like I don't, I haven't looked at Ole Miss's schedule, but the SEC might have two or three teams that are just bad. But like the worst team in the Big 12 is barely out of the tournament picture. Is kind of my point. Yeah. But I guess, like, the SEC, like, they just have three or four teams that don't that won't play in the challenge every year because they have more. But, yeah. So. Um, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I think even if – I mean, even if all 13 teams in the SEC um, bought into basketball and really invested in it, I think they'd be pretty good pretty good conference um but right now it's a top-down conference like it is in football uh well you got Kentucky and Auburn at the top and you know you could throw maybe a second tier with Tennessee LSU and maybe Florida in there but other than that the rest of the conference isn't very good um I think conference records um don't matter as Mm -hmm. much right now in the SEC I mean I feel like they're going to be inflated and I think we're going to find out just how good the Big 12 is this Saturday because I think the Big 12 is going to run away uh, with this one just because they're such a good conference. And the SEC really can't compare, I don't think, to, to the Big 12. Yeah. So, so you actually, I, think, I think Auburn plays at Iowa State, which I know Iowa State hasn't been that impressive, but I mean Auburn's only lost one game all year, so they might be due for a letdown. Although they almost lost to Missouri Tuesday, so maybe that was the letdown. That well, I don't happen. know. Hilton Magic, you know. Yeah, man. It's no Hilton South and the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, but... What's the T-Mobile Center? Never heard of it. Sprint Center, yeah. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Um, Yeah, so, I don't know. I think it'll be a good game. Uh, Or that that will be a good game. I think it'll be a good weekend. Uh, Drew and I will be watching, that's for sure. Uh, Oh, yeah. The Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, Auburn, though, uh, going into Hilton Magic. Hilton Magic. So just keep that in mind, everybody. Hilton Magic. It'll be magical. It'll be magical this Saturday. Okay. The ghost of Fred Hoiberg. The ghost of Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska will be watching. 
By the way, Nebraska lost another game today, so they're zero and ten in the Big Ten now. Yeah, but they're four, four or five plays away from being ten and zero in the Big Ten. I mean, come on, they're the best zero and ten team, zero and ten conference team in Big Ten history. Let's be yep. honest. Yep. Let's be honest. Um, let's actually let's actually pick those two games this weekend. Um, Kansas State playing Ole Miss and Kansas playing Kentucky. Uh, Kansas State goes on the road to play Ole Miss this Saturday. That'll be on. ESPN, I believe, or ESPN2. I'm not sure. Um, I believe Kansas State's a favorite, or do we not know that yet, Drew? Usually the lines don't come out until the day before. It is on ESPNU. Oh, the U. The U. ESPN, the Ocho. Not really. I wish. They're not ranked. Rank them. Man, this Ole Miss team lost to Missouri by 25? Yikes. Yes, they did. Dang. That's – man. Oh, they beat Dayton, though, so I don't know. I mean, KU lost to Dayton, so I don't know what that means. And K-State lost to KU, therefore Dayton's better than K-State? Well, see, I don't know know how it works. There's too many variables. So, anyway. Well, Kansas State goes on the road to play (laughs) – the University of Mississippi, hotty toddy. Uh, Cooper Manning, no, what's his name? Sorry, Arch. Arch Manning, yeah, Arch Manning, not Cooper, that's his dad. He's not committed uh, yet, but we know he's going there. We know he's going there, hotty toddy, old miss, you know, all that stuff. Um, who you got, Drew? Uh, you know, I haven't watched a minute of Ole Miss this year, but given you know how K State's done the Big 12 and how. Ole Miss and the SEC hasn't really done much and has lost to some bad teams. I'm going to take the Cats. I'm sure it'll be a close game because K-State tends to play a lot of close games, but I'll take the Cats. I would assume they'll be favored, but it's a road game, so I don't know. This is a get-right game. This is a get-right game for K-State on the road. Not a hostile environment, I'm sure. It's Ole Miss. They're going to have like 10 people there. Okay. It's K-State. Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to take Cats by 15. I think it's a get-right game for the K-State. Uh, Wildcats are going to shoot really well. It's going to be a fun fun game to watch. But the marquee matchup. Um, Kentucky will be going to Lawrence, Kansas. Fog Allen Fieldhouse. The Fog. The best home court advantage thanks to officiating in the NCAA. Who you got, Drew? So... A little background on this game here. So, Oscar Shibway is the center for Kentucky. And if you recall, he played for West Virginia for a couple years. And then he transferred to Kentucky midseason last year for – I don't know why. He's had a lot of, you know, like 20 and 20 games this year. So, I'm a little nervous for our guy Dave McCormick down low. I know they're the two best offensive rebounders in the country by, like, offensive rebounding rate. I'm not sure how that's calculated. But so I'm sure that, you know, you got to be boxing each other out or else, you know, teams are bringing a lot of second opportunities. Uh, Ty Ty Washington for Kentucky, he's their starting point guard. He's a five-star recruit. He's probably got to be an NBA first-round draft pick. He sprained his ankle last weekend when Kentucky played Auburn or rolled his ankle. He didn't come back in that game, and he didn't play mm, yesterday or Tuesday, whenever they played last. So if he doesn't play, I think that that's pretty big loss, and KU should win. I'm going to pick KU no matter what because I'm biased and it's a home game. But I'm nervous, but I'll take KU by – about KU and overtime by five. 
We have a we have a saying around here in Manhattan, Kansas: "Cats by 90. All right. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not foolish enough to think that the Kentucky Wildcats will beat the Kansas Wildcats by 90 points. I'm not dumb like that. You know, there'll probably be a couple missed goaltending calls, a couple fictional fouls, a couple walks that don't get called, and I'll take Kentucky by 10. All right. Don't by the way, you. side note. So when the KU-Iowa State missed goaltending call happened, like that was bad. I'm not going to defend it. Like that was an awful call. However, people are really – you know, apparently other Big 12 fan bases, not just K-State, but I've seen some Baylor fans, some Oklahoma fans, I think, were commenting on back-to-back goaltending calls called in the game against Texas Tech. And if I recall, there was one Baylor fan account that I came across that tweeted saying, like, because I guess Baylor and OU played last Saturday and the refs, like, missed a goaltending call and didn't review it or something. And then in this KU-Texas Tech game, KU got called for goaltending. They reviewed it, and it was like call stands. They left the goaltending. They left the two points on the board. And then the same exact thing happened going the other way. So Texas Tech got two points, and KU got two points. And then in the comments, all these Baylor fans were like, oh, all these extra rules in the field house giving KU calls. And I'm like, it resulted in two points for each team and had no impact on the game. So just throwing that out there. Maybe Big 12 fans should watch the game instead of just watching Twitter. It sounds like, just sounds like, the Baylor fans are living rent-free in KU fans' head, okay? Example, Drew. Moving on to the NFL. Moving on to the NFL. We're going to talk about a pretty crazy divisional round weekend. We had the Super Bowl happen this Sunday. I don't know if you knew that. It's a bummer that it happened in the divisional round. Uh, people are calling it Peyton Manning, um, but we'll get to that later. Let's go ahead and start off with the uh, Tennessee Titans playing the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, a matchup for the ages. What were your thoughts? Well, we only were able to watch the second half of this game because due to scheduling mishaps of the NFL and the NCAA not uh, thinking about us on this podcast, about where we were going to be at 3 o'clock on Saturday, you know, at the KUK State game, we didn't get to watch much of this. But, you know, it seemed like the Titans, it kind of it played out the way I thought it would, except I didn't think Joe Burrow was going to get sacked nine times. Because, I mean, the Titans have a pretty good pass rush, but I didn't think the Bengals' O-line was that bad. But clearly, I mean, he's been getting beat up all year. So the fact that they won with him getting sacked nine times is pretty crazy. Um, I thought the Titans were a little sloppy with Derrick Henry from what I saw. looked like Deontay Foreman was just better. Like, obviously, Derrick Henry's a better running back, but maybe he wasn't fully healthy. Wasn't ready to go, but they chose to play him, and, you know, he he got his yards and he got a score, but, I don't know, it just seemed like not a lot came of it. Um, there were some definite coaching mistakes on Mike Vrabel's end, I thought. You know, like, they had a third and one where they ran it with Ryan Tannehill. So, like, you got – I mean, Tannehill's a pretty good running quarterback, but I'd just give it to Henry there or give it to your running back or – I don't know. And then, you know, Tannehill threw three picks – one of them on the goal line, and then one of them where then the Bengals were able to get the game-winning field goal. So, you know, bad – kind of a bad loss for the Titans. I feel like if they just take care of the ball, they probably win. But good win by the Bengals, despite their quarterback getting sacked nine times. 
Yeah, definitely a good one by the Bengals for sure. Uh, going into the one seed, winning. Um, I don't think Derrick Henry is quite healthy. Shouldn't should have been playing. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill had a couple of mistakes that uh, only Ryan Tannehill can have. Uh, so that's that. That game happened. Good win for the Bengals. Moving on, you know. I got some. Saying, I got some stats for you. Oh boy. So you know, everyone's favorite stats: kicker stats. So Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Bengals. <clears throat> It's his rookie season, so obviously it's his first time in the playoffs. He is the first kicker to ever have made four field goals in two games in the same postseason. So, you know, do with that information what you may. Thought that was pretty cool. Well, I mean, the dude's an absolute baller, right? You know, looks the over dude told the, the dude told says, the backup quarterback the AFC championship <laughs> game. You know, he's a baller. So and then I got one more. So this stat kind of surprised me. So Ryan Tannehill has only played playoff games with the Titans. He never made it as a Dolphin. He is two and three in the playoffs. However, when he has to throw more than 15 passes in a game, he's 0 and three. Well, so that's why the, Derek Carr's better than him. You know, he might be. I might have to adjust my rankings. but He's not. They're both the same quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's just won. How many more playoff games is Derek Carr? Well, by my math, two. No, good math. Quick math. Very good. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the other Saturday game, which was an Aaron Rodgers choke fest between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this, that the San Francisco 49ers are probably the the toughest matchup for anybody left. Uh, a really tough matchup for anybody because of how well they can run the ball. They can They can line up run a power toss and it's just, it works, you know, not many teams can say that not many teams have to see that and not many teams can defend it. So they're the matchup nightmare for anybody. Um, but uh, Aaron Rodgers still had, had a chance to win it, had a last drive, uh, could not pull it off, could not pull it off. So Aaron Rodgers choked in green Bay. Did he do it on purpose? Nobody's saying it. Nobody's thinking it. He's leaving. Who cares? Drew, what do you think? So, I do agree that, you know, it's it was like 10 degrees, snowy in Lambeau. Nothing that Aaron Rodgers hasn't experienced before. But the Niners have a, have a good defense, and we talked about it being a tough matchup. And, you know, Rodgers missed some throws during the game, and it seemed like it wasn't going to matter. They were up 7-0 to zero and then 10-3 to three for most of the game. But then, you know, the Packers special teams have been pretty bad all year. I think they were ranked 32nd in special teams, like dead last in the league. And they blocked a punt that the Niners returned for a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Willis, K-State guy, blocked that punt, I believe. And then, you know, the Packers missed a field goal in the game. So that's 10 points that you just gave the Niners. And then, you know, Niners are a good coach team. And as bad as Jimmy Garoppolo had played throughout the game, like he was able to make some throws that last drive and Debo had a nice run. It's crazy that he's just, like, playing running back and it's working. But, I mean, they got it done. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I'm I'm glad. I mean, I the Niners are a tough matchup, but I didn't want to see that. Didn't really want to see that Packers team. So, you know, yeah, Rodgers – you know, Rodgers is uh, – I don't say he always chokes, but sometimes in these playoff games, even though, like – most of the time he's lost, it's because his defense is giving up a lot of points. Like, Rodgers doesn't really play up to his standard, and that kind of happened again. So, I don't know what it is. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, so it's not like he can't play in big games. It's just, I don't, 
I don't know. Something about it. So he's probably gone. He'll probably spin it on, you know, blame the special teams and blame the coaching, which that's somewhat fair. He's not going to Denver. I don't want to hear that. You think Rodgers wants to play in the 10 division as Mahomes? I don't buy it. Why would they hire the Green Bay uh, offensive coordinator? Well, then? that guy was getting interviews anyway. Drew. It was probably the deal was, I come here, Rodgers comes here. Discount double check. Sure. I, I'll i believe it when I see it. I don't know where Rodgers is going to go. I doubt he stays, but like if I were Rodgers, I'd stay. But I'm not. he thinks about life differently than I do. I would like to point out, just a real quick pointing out of the points. Special teams, university showed up on a Saturday night in Lambeau. Jordan Willis, a Kansas State Wildcat, blocked a punt to win the game. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? A K-Stater sent a team to the NFC title game. I can't. I can't believe it. Well, color me surprised. Yeah, I don't think Rodgers is going to Denver. You know, I if I were him, I like, I don't know, like, where I'd go. Like, if Tom Brady retires, which we can get to later, then maybe Tampa. Like, they have weapons, but I don't – I don't know. Maybe the Colts, you know, dump Wentz, get Rodgers, not bad. Or the uh, Bears. I just don't – yeah. Yeah, the Lions. That was a slam dunk of a hire. Okay, we'll get to that. Slam dunk. Okay. So, do you got anything more on this game? I don't think I do. No, I don't. Other okay. than special teams, you, Kansas State University, best team in the America, in the world. Okay, moving on. Sunday um, – Sunday in the afternoon, we had Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. I've also said St. Louis. Uh, the Bucks and the Rams, uh, despite despite Matt Stafford and the Rams' best attempts, they did not give the game to Tom Brady. They were up uh, late or early, uh, up through the first half, and then here comes Tom Brady storming back. Drew, what are your thoughts? Well... I had said on our podcast, I thought this was a pretty bad matchup for uh, the Bucks, just because, you know, you're out your top receivers and you have Ramsey Garden, Mike Evans, and the Rams can get pressure without blitzing, all that good stuff. But I was surprised that the Rams just came out and were up 27 to three. And it actually, they could have been up 27 to three sooner if their running back Cam Akers didn't fumble right before the half on like the one yard line. And then the whole time I was just thinking like, Okay, like Tom Brady, he's notorious for making these comebacks, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen, and then it happened. And then when they tied the game up, I just was like, okay, it's over. Like, the Bucks are going to win. Like, all the momentum's on their side. And then I think the Bucks messed up a blitz, and Stafford hit Cup like 60 yards down the field. It's a great, great throw, great route by Cup, and that's all she wrote. I mean, the choke that the Rams had, I was trying to watch it. They had it on the Jumbotron a little bit at the Chiefs game. I had to watch some on my phone. Like – Cam Akers fumbled twice. Matt Gay, their kicker, somehow short-kicked a 47-yarder. Like, that's weird. And Tampa, like, the weather's perfect. I don't know. Maybe he had, like, a little injury going on. I've never really seen a kicker short, leg a 47-yarder in the NFL. And then I'm trying to remember. I think the Bucks were down 14, and Von Miller strip-sacked Brady. And then the first snap when the Rams were in, were in field goal position, the center snapped it over Stafford's head and they got the ball back. Like that's like all time choke stuff. Like the fact that they actually ended up winning was really surprising, but 
again, I was happy with the, with the result as a Chiefs fan. Bye-bye, Tom Brady. See ya. I thought it was pretty funny how in the first half, like, the guy kind of roughed him up and he hit his lip bleeding and he didn't get the call because, you know, typically he gets those. But I'm not complaining. So, I thought the uh, – did you see the Indomitian Sioux? Like, he, like, hit Stafford and he thought Stafford tripped him, so he yelled at Stafford for tripping him and then, like, Sean Hockley flagged him. And I'm like, okay. It's the, Sean, it's the Sean Hockley score, the uh, show. Let's, let's he go. Didn't, he didn't kick him? Well, I don't know. Like he, tr- I don't know. Like Sue isn't necessarily like the cleanest of players in his no, history. I know. Yeah, he is. He's. What are you talking about? I don't know, man. But uh, Sean Hockley likes to, uh, you know, likes to be the star of the of the TV show sometimes. But listen, 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 listen. Hey, I'm happy with the result. Go Rams. I wish we would have played Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay team. It's a revenge tour. It's a revenge tour. When do we have to get revenge on the Rams from? 2018? Sure. No. They beat us with Jared Goff. How bad is that now? Doesn't look great. At that time, though, I mean, those were two Super Bowl contenders. I mean, we couldn't beat Tom Brady thanks to D. Ford staying offsides and Chris Jones, you know, tapping Tom on the shoulder and it being a roughing the passer. But that is in the past – uh, we don't talk about it that much anymore. Well, you know, it was a pretty good football weekend, pretty good sports weekend, and then we got what we deserved as a nightcapper on Sunday night when the Bills uh, and the Chiefs played a whole two minutes of football, some of the best football ever. Um, Chiefs won in overtime thanks to a coin flip. Who cares? You know what? The Bills voted against. Uh, the overtime rules change when the Chiefs petition to have it change. So really, yep. really, whose fault is it? All right. So, what's your breakdown of that game before the two minute warning? So I do want to add something about this the Rams Bucks game, not about the game. Like we broke that down. So at the stadium, when the Rams had the ball, it was twenty seven twenty seven. There was like fifteen minutes before kickoff, which is, like, right before, like, the cheerleaders dance at midfield and then, like, the players around the tunnel and all that good stuff. But they had it on the Jumbotron. And Stafford hit cut for the 60-yard bomb to basically put the game away. And the whole place went nuts. But then they couldn't keep it on the Jumbotron long enough for the fans to see the game-winning field goal, and I thought that was hilarious. You know, everyone was freaking out. Like, oh, my God, did he make it? And then, like, no one has service because there's 70,000 people there. <laughs> Have I told you the story of last year on the charter plane? The the dicker yeah. Cameron he missed that kick or whatever. Yeah. Well, well, we didn't know that. So we're on this plane. Um, I'm gonna plug it real quick. I was an equipment manager for the football team at Kansas State last year. It was kind of a big deal. But we're going down to Waco. Three hundred dollars a month, baby. Three hundred dollars a month. That's a good job. You should go find it. So uh, <clears throat> we're going down to Waco uh, to play the uh, TCU Horn Frogs in Waco. Um, they are also known around those parts as the Baylor Bears. Uh, so we're going down there to play the Baylor Bears, and we are watching the – I think it's the Texas and Iowa State game. Um, and each each TV has a screen on the back, and we're taxing to take off. And I don't know if you've ever taken off from the MHK airport, Drew. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary because you're in a pretty big – like a charter flight's a decent-sized flight, and you take off. 
um, and you go pretty much straight up almost. I don't know why, but it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough little thing. So we get in the air and Dicker, his foot makes contact with the ball. Like we're watching this drive. It's a Texas comeback. His foot makes contact with the ball. All the screens go black. All the screens go black. I still don't know if he made it or missed it. I think he made it. No, he missed it. He missed it. <laughs> no, because Iowa State, Iowa State won that game by because like they won the Big Twelve regular season, not the not the championship. They lost. Cyclone Larry, I know you listen. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I remember that wasn't that like a Thanksgiving or like day after Thanksgiving and that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I remember they were up by three, but I think they were up by, like, 17, and they blew it to Texas. And then they go down, and Dicker is automatic, or he usually is. And then he, like – I think he hit the post or something. It was okay. crazy. It, it was it was hilarious. Dicker. Seeing Texas oh. lose like that. Dicker. He yep. missed. Yeah. He missed. He's, he's a mister. So. That's, I can't believe he made contact. Dude, if that happened to Arrowhead, like, like Matt Gay makes contact and it, and it like, gets shot off, everyone would be, like, screaming. Well, we were in an airplane. <laughs> so, so, anyway, okay. this Chiefs so, game, yeah, prior to the two-minute two minute warning. warning. Yep. So, I was cautiously optimistic going into the game, which sometimes that's, like, the worst thing. When you know it's going to be a good game, you talk yourself into it as a fan, and then you have the game, and then you don't know how it's going to go. Buffalo went down, scored early. Then we were able to score in a long drive where Mahomes just ran for 49 yards because no one could really get open or anything that first drive. And then it's back and forth most of the first half. Good defense played by both teams, but good offense. 14-14. We have a field goal right before the half with Butker, who's normally automatic. He misses, so that, you know, stinks. Then we come out of half, and he makes a field goal. We get the ball back, and then we score, but he misses the PHT. So there's four points left on the board, and we're up by nine. And I'm like, well, I sure hope this doesn't come back to haunt us. And then two plays later, Josh Allen throws a freaking 80-yard bomb to Gabriel Davis for a touchdown, and we're only up two instead of up six. So I just, you know, I was nervous. And then we were up 26-21, and they had converted some fourth downs, and the two-minute warning happened. They had a fourth and 13. And I was like, all right, surely we're going to stop them. And then all hell broke loose. That's my breakdown of the game before the two-minute warning. All hell broke loose. All oh, right. man, it was wild. I mean, have Butker made a field goal and, you know – Made a PAT, it wouldn't, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. You know, they would have won, yep. they would have won the game in regulation. We would have um, been up nine before that play. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about the all hell breaking loose. <clears throat> let's, so what, three touchdowns were scored in total in, in those, or just two touchdowns were scored in the last two minutes? No, three and a field goal. Three and a field goal. Right. So, so. we were up 26 21. We, the Chiefs, we're Chiefs fans. Um, we or no, we're you're at five. We're, yeah, twenty six, twenty one. They score a touchdown. Gabriel Davis absolutely breaks Mike Hughes's ankles. Which, first off, Gabriel Davis had two hundred yards and four touchdowns. That's pretty crazy for a guy who's not even the number one receiver on his team in a playoff game. What the number one receiver have? Like three catches for seven yards. No, it were it it was fine. I mean, I don't like him getting that many, but. Hey, we the Chiefs have always defended Diggs well. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but anyway, so 
he looked like Mike Hughes was playing like he was going to go outside, but he was going inside the whole way. He made one little move, and he just fell down. Then they get the two-point conversion, go up by three. Now I'm like, okay, we have two minutes. Like, this is easy for Mahomes. Then we're going down the field. Then he hits Tyreek for, like, 70 yards. And I'm like, okay, this felt like too, this felt like it was too fast. But, you know, that last drive, the Bills had to convert a couple fourth downs, so maybe we can hold them out in a minute. And then in 47 seconds, or however many seconds, they go down and score, and my heart just sank. Just being there and, like, oh, my gosh, we just lost. And then, like, I know that we've gotten in field goal range fast before to force overtimes, but in 13 seconds, there's no way. But the Bills, you know, I think made a mistake by not squibbing the ball and getting some time to run off. And then they, I guess, were letting the Chiefs do whatever they want, not to the sidelines, even though they had all three timeouts. And then even though Butker missed two big kicks, he made the made the one that mattered, mattered most. So he's clutch. And then, yeah, came down to a coin toss, but – you know, Chiefs got screwed by that like four years ago, and no one seemed to have any sympathy, but now everyone wants to have sympathy for Josh Allen, which I do feel bad for him. I think both teams should get a shot at the ball, but no one felt that way four years ago, so just throwing it out there. It is the greatest feeling in the world to see when you're when the opposing team's fans celebrate too early. When – 13 seconds were left. Tony Romo was calling the game. They were showing Bills fans and how excited they were and, you know, Bills players waving goodbye to the crowd. Little did they know that the Chiefs had the greatest offensive mind on the sideline uh, that night, and that was Travis Kelsey, who, said, who you know, got him into field goal range. Uh, it sounded like backyard football, didn't it? But uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, uh, Field goal, overtime, coin flip. You know what? I don't feel bad. You know, Josh Allen's got plenty of opportunities coming up later. They're calling this Manning-Brady, which I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know yet to call it Manning-Brady. might be a little early, but also feels kind of like a pretty good playoff rivalry uh, is forming here. So, but, yeah. Yep. Anything else with that one, Drew? Um, as far as the Manning-Brady stuff goes – yeah, probably. However, I will say that they said this about Mahomes and Lamar and then about Mahomes and Herbert, you know, when we had those fun matchups this year. So I think Allen's better than both of those guys, but I just don't, you know, seems like there's one common denominator here and it's Mahomes. So let's just call Mah- let's call it is Mahomes is the best. Let's just move on with it. Josh Allen, I would think is, you know, the second best that's not like Rodgers or Brady. And there's probably a little gap before you have Herbert and Burrow and all those guys. But, you know, should be should be a fun rivalry. I mean, we've played them in the playoffs two years in a row, and I expect to play them some more. Yeah, definitely. It should be a good time. So. Although Josh Allen balled out. Like, he made some throws where I was, like, like, I was impressed. Like, I mean, I'm easily impressed. But, like, he made some <laughs> throws where I was like, holy crap. Like, that – that deep ball to, to Davis, it was like he threw him open and it was like 60 yards downfield. And, yeah. and it got there in like a second. Yeah. <laughs> like Quite the arm. Not better than Mahomes, though, but quite the arm. I don't like the comparison saying that he's better than Mahomes. I think Mahomes is probably the best quarterback. He's not better than Mahomes, but he might have a better arm if we're talking like just pure like how fast he throws it. Here we go, ESPN. No, like Mahomes is better, but there's some things that Allen does better. 
Mahomes is perfect in every aspect of his game. Moving on to this weekend. The uh, we've got the AFC and NFC title game. Yay. Mm-hmm. The AFC is an early game, the NFC is a late game. The Cincinnati Bengals will be playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The ESPN graphic said that Joe Burrow has more swagger and more accuracy. That's such a dumb graphic. Like they they put swagger so they could give him a second thing. Yeah. Is he more accurate than Patrick? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either. So listen, I like Burrow, but people are trying to do too much. Yes. I like I I had Burrow at five or six on my list. I think Mm -hmm. I had him flip flopped, but like people gotta relax. Like Yeah. Every year, like, I'll talk about the game in a sec, but every year, like, people try to do this last year with Josh Allen. Like, if anything, this was the year you, you know, like, Josh Allen improved. But, like, and, you know, last year the Bills got blown out, and this year they, you know, lost in overtime. But, like, last year they were trying to say in, like, the team graphic that the Chiefs had better receivers and a better defense, but the Bills had better coaching and better quarterback. And I'm like, that's not true at all. Yeah. They're not better than either of those things. Anyway, Sean McDermott is literally an Andy Reid coaching tree guy. Anyway, don't need to go into that. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe get an Andy Reid, you know, like Nick Saban versus former assistants. You know, maybe Andy Reid versus assistants, you know. Sean McDermott, he's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. I don't know if he'll be as successful as, uh, you know, Nick, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's no Matt Nagy. No, he's not. But, so, I think that – I guess this is, like, a bad feeling. I feel like that I'm, – I'm cautiously optimistic about this game. I think that it's honestly not a great matchup for the Bengals. I think we saw it in the first half of the first game that we played, like how the Chiefs can just dominate and score at will against them. and But – the thing was, was our defense, we, we got pressured the whole time. We just couldn't finish. And then Burrow got out, and Burrow has three really good receivers and a really good running back that he could throw to. And that helps. And then our defensive coordinator, who, by the way, I really like. I know some Chiefs fans won the Farmer in the year. I really like Steve Spagnuolo as a DC. He did what he does, and that's blitz. And then we blitz Burrow, and Burrow, Burrow's a really good quarterback, so he was, just got it out faster. So I would expect that this game we probably don't blitz as much and we get pressure with four, as the Titans did last week. And if we finish, I think we should have no problem winning this game because I think our offense is going to do what our offense does. But if we can't finish and maybe we get some aggressive blitzes and Jamar Chase goes nuclear for almost 300 yards, then it's a contest. Also, that game in Cincinnati, we were up 28-17 at halftime, and it would have been 35-17 at halftime if that dummy on the special teams didn't hold the guy on Byron Pringle, special teams U, uh, his kickoff return he had for a touchdown. But that thing is like Zane Anderson is his name, that 39. He, dude's awful. Mm-hmm. He negated two big returns in back-to-back weeks because he did it against the Broncos too. And I just – so I think the Chiefs will win by about 10. I expect the Bengals to hang around for a while, but, you know, it's in Arrowhead, which apparently isn't as loud as some SEC stadiums, even though he backtracked on that the other day. But I – In October? 
Oh, so that was the first quote. I just saw like yesterday. Then he said like we expect it to be loud. So like I think he. Yeah. Well, he they asked him if he had ever, um, like uh, how the NFL stadium noises were, and he said in September that he hadn't found an NFL stadium that was quite as loud as the SEC. Oh, okay. So yeah, he said that a long time ago. You know, honestly, but, that's somewhat fair because some of them probably don't get as loud as SEC stadiums. Now Arrowhead. Arrowheads like set the record, so like obviously they do. They were louder, but some of them you never know. You never know. I think Arrowhead in January will be different for sure. It's it gets crazy. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm gonna pick the Chiefs by about ten, like thirty-one twenty-one, something like that. You know, I always. I mean, I get nervous before every Chiefs game, just jitters, and you know, mm-hmm. growing up with the team not being as good get nervous, but I'm feeling good about this one. I think that we just got to – this is a game – you know, we had our really big game last week. I think this is just a – you take care of your business game. You do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Get a win and go to L.A. next week. Yeah. Or in two weeks, I guess. But, yeah. 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 I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a good game. Um, I think – I'm nervous about it. I think it'll be a little bit too close for comfort. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I will pick the Chiefs to win. Uh, I think they'll win by about ten. So I think I think they're 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 out for revenge, revenge tour. You know, uh, we'll go to Bryson though. Uh, he chose the Chiefs to win forty-one to twenty-eight. Um, so a blowout in some forms in the AFC title game. Yeah, that's a lot but, of points, but I mean, I could see it happening. Yeah, I could definitely see it happening. So, all right, moving on to the NFC title game. The NFC title game where the uh, San Francisco 49ers will be playing the Los Angeles Rams. Drew, take it away. First off, I just want to note that this was a matchup in week 18 where it was about 50-50. And if it wasn't 50-50, it favored 49ers fans at this game. And so much that the Rams decided to block like ticket sales to 49ers fans. So there'll be more Rams fans there. So I think that's kind of funny. You know, like you're in the NFC Championship. You'd think you wouldn't have a problem selling to your fans, but I guess football this isn't as big in L.A. for those Rams fans. But anyway, back to the game at hand, you know, it's pretty rare that you see a divisional matchup in a conference championship game. I don't even remember, like, the last time this happened. Like, I remember it happening before, but it's pretty rare. Remember the Packers played the Bears when they won the Super Bowl back in 2010? But other than that, I don't really remember. Um, you know, the Niners won both games in the regular season. First game, they blew them out. Second game, they were down 17-0 to zero and then down by seven late in the fourth quarter. Came back and tied it and then won it in overtime. However, they didn't win it like the Chiefs won it in overtime. They went down and got a field goal, and then Stafford threw a pick. So that was kind of weird. I – I think the Rams are better, just like I trust their quarterback better. You know, the 49ers probably have better weapons, but I, you know, Cooper Cup, you know, the MVP of the league, they have him. Their defense is phenomenal. You got Aaron Donald and Von Miller rushing a passer against a quarterback that's not all that good. He does do enough to win games at the end, but sometimes throughout these games, he hasn't looked that good. But, you know, if all these things stood true, the Rams should have at least won one of those games in regular season. So, I don't really understand how Kyle Shanahan just owns Sean McVay, but I'm going to pick the Niners to win this game by three. Don't feel great about it, 
you know, Stafford to me has been kind of shaky all year. I will give him credit. He played great against the Bucks, and he made a great throw to put that game away. But when a game gets close, I don't know. Sometimes he folds. And say what you want about Jimmy G, but he's been there before. You know, he's been to a Super Bowl. So I'm going to pick the Niners. Don't feel great about it. I don't even know who I want to win this game for the Chiefs' sake, if the Chiefs win. But I'll pick the Niners. Hard to beat a team three times, but I think they can do it. Jimmy G just does what, Drew? Wins. Jimmy G just wins. It's going to be an ugly game from kickoff to to end of the game. That's what the 49ers want. Uh, the 49ers, I think, are a matchup nightmare, um, like I said earlier on. So I'm I'm going to pick uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and those 49ers. I think they'll win uh, by three. I think it'll be uh, overtime or last second thing. It's going to be ugly. And, I mean, if, if the 49ers want to win – or if 49ers are going to win, they need it to be ugly. So, Bryson is taking the Rams 24-20 to 20 over the 49ers. So, he has a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. The two of us have a, another a repeat Niners-Chiefs Super Bowl. So, Yeah, that makes me nervous. But I, I will say, like, this Niners team is really banged up. Like, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, your brother, um, they got banged up against the Cowboys. And then last week, like, Debo well, – I think Debo was just limping because he took a helmet to the shin on, like, that last run that he had. So, he's probably fine. It probably just bruised up. And Kittle was limping at the end. So, I don't know. Like, maybe those injuries will affect them. But, like, their two best defenders by far were hurt, and they were fine. So, I don't know. There's something about them. Like, they, like, they just win. Like, it doesn't matter how close it is. They just win. Yeah, I agree. Except for against Tennessee when we needed that for the one seed, but whatever. Um, it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay. Whatever. Nobody cares. So Chiefs. you want to you wanna get into some of this uh, coaching hire stuff we got going on? Uh, oh, yeah. obviously. The Indianapolis Colts hired a guy this morning. The Bears. The, name. the, the Bears. Bears hired a guy this morning. What's He's from name? the Colts. I know. What's his name? Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus. Does that not sound like a winner? That sounds like a winner. That's going to be the best hire. We're going to be talking about it for centuries. Centuries. He's going to be the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. I'm calling it right now. He's going to win 10 Super Bowls. At least. Slam dunk. Go Bears. Duh, Bears. Okay. So, I don't love the hire. I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a bad hire – just because, like, you can't really tell. Like, he's never been a head – like, he's never been a head NFL coach before. Might pan out, might not. And I don't – you know, I kind of wish Bryson was on this podcast because if you follow us on Twitter, you would know that Bryson tweeted that you shouldn't hire a DC to be a head coach ever. Um, and, yeah, me too. But I will say that I think if you have a young quarterback that needs development – it would just make more sense to hire an offensive-minded coach. But I guess if he gets a good OC in there that can develop him, then that would be the path. Like, that's what – you know, Sean McDermott's a defensive coach. They get Josh Allen, and then they get Brian Dayball, who before I believe was Alabama's OC. At least he was at one point to go up there and be their OC. And they just designed this offense over a couple of years around what Josh Allen can do best, and they go out and trade for Stephon Diggs, and they do all that good stuff. And – now, Josh Allen went from being like a middle-of-the-pack quarterback to, you know, being a top-five quarterback. So, I think that that is something that they could do with Fields. And actually, I thought 
you could maybe get Brian Dayball to be the head coach and get him to call the plays for Fields, but maybe maybe you don't want him to be a head coach. Maybe he's just a, a good OC. I don't know. But get get a good OC in there and help develop Fields, and that hire will probably look a little better. All the head coach has to do is run a team. I don't think it matters, you know, what background they have offensively or defensively. They just have to run the football team, and that's what they're going to do. So that's what I think. I think he'll be – I don't know anything about him. I just, you know, I was obviously just joking, but I think saying that defensive hires won't work anymore um, is a foolish thing to say. I think that anybody can work as a head coach and anybody can fail as a head coach. Any offensive guy can fail as a head coach. Um, and then any defensive guy can succeed as a head coach. I don't know, Bill Velichek, you mentioned Sean McDermott. Nick Saban was a defensive guy. Um, there are a lot of defensive guys, you know, succeeding at a high level in college football too. Kirby Smart. Um, Mike Tomlin's another one. It's pretty Mike good. Mike Tomlin's another NFL guy. Uh, I mean, it's just, you name, I mean, you can name a lot. So Christopher um, Columbus Kleiman. Chris Kleiman. There you go. There you go. I like that Columbus climbing. By the I don't. Way, anybody, I don't know much about Lance Leipold's background. Well, he's just a D three legend. So, Andy Reid's record against past assistant coaches as of October was fifteen and eight. Well, not quite what Saban is in a million and two. Yeah, but, exactly. Which was a million and oh before this year, but exactly. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher, another defensive guy. There we go. Yeah. We got one. We got another one. So, Mel Tucker, defensive guy. Um, who else is a defensive guy? I think John Harbaugh might be a defense. No, John Harbaugh is a quarterback. That's a stupid thing to say. I believe – well, Brett, Jim, Jim or John? Um, John. John. John was John was a special teams coordinator before he got the Ravens job. Oh, okay. So, well, that's that. an extension of the defense. Sure. <laughs> that counts for defensive points. In if you're fantasy. playing fantasy football, sure. Uh, who else? I'm just thinking of people now. Um, yeah. Okay, Let's back to that. this NFL coaching stuff. I okay. saw that – so the Jaguars are looking at some people uh-huh. for coaching. And I saw that apparently they're interviewing or they have interest in Vic Fangio, who just got fired from the Broncos. If they hire Vic Fangio, just it's over for Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's over. Like, I don't, I don't know. That um, uh, I don't know. I don't understand who's making these hires and how they're so stupid. But they are stupid. Uh, the Broncos guy, whoever they hired, probably not a good hire. I'd never even heard of him. He's been their OC since Lafleur's been there, so I'm sure he's maybe learned some. Like LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay are all like the same coaching tree. Oh, whatever. he's an offensive guy? He's an offensive yeah, he's, guy. he's our offensive coordinator. Guaranteed to work out then. Guaranteed I hope not. To work out. The Broncos. <laughs> I think the Broncos should have given Vic Fangio like three more years. I think the Broncos should get rid of John Elway and then they'll be a competent organization. Well, they actually promoted John Elway to something above GM and they have a different GM as of last year. Yeah, but John Elway is still in the building. He needs True. to be out of the building. He's but, not a good administrator. Okay, but, like, they're not going to do that. Like, you know they're not going to do that. They need to. Sh- sure, but, hey, you know what, Broncos? Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, keep Elway around. You guys do that. You know, yeah. Drew Locke, he's pretty good. I'd sign him to a five-year deal. I mean, they probably will. 
Who? What, what quarterback? They can't get a quarterback. They're not bad enough to get a good quarterback. Well, it's not really a QB heavy draft. So, I mean, you can like go after Rodgers. I just don't think he's going there. Speaking of drafting, Aokali is staying for her senior year. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. That they play this Saturday. We should go. What time? I'm not sure. It's in the afternoon, I think. Okay. Right in the middle of the KU game is when they tip, and I think we should go. Mm, I'll think about it. <laughs> Leaning towards no on that one if it's in the middle of the KU game. Yeah. So, I I will say, did you see that the the men should be doing it soon, but the women's, they did like the thing where a month before the tournament starts, they do like the the top 16. You know, yeah. like the, the yeah. selection committee. Well, K-State's women were in the top 16. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Like, that's that's exciting. I mean, the AP poll has them at 25th, and they just lost to Texas. So, like, they're probably going to fall out. Not that that matters, but, like, you know, top four seed. That's exciting. They're playing, they're playing powerhouse TCU. Mm, interesting. The Lady Frogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. K-State and Kentucky, or KU and Kentucky tip at five. K State and TCU tip at six thirty. There you go. Back to back basketball. Interesting. Yep. All well, right. Well, do you have anything else? Um, I don't think so. I think think that's about it. You know, only well, two NFL co- head coaching hire or spots have been f- filled. I think there's like five to seven more that are open, you know, two of them in the AFC West. So we'll see what happens. The Raiders are going to hire their interim guy. He won them a playoff game. Are you getting, or he went, he took them to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Okay. Oh, wait, wait, one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. So, you know, there's all these Jim Harbaugh rumors, which by the way, after thinking about it, doesn't really make sense if he's using the NFL thing as like a leverage play. Because last year he could have, when like they changed up his contract or whatever, and they made it all incentive based. If he really wanted more money, he could have done it a year ago. So I don't yeah. get why he'd use the NFL as leverage. Then once he makes a playoff for the first time, you know? Yeah. So that doesn't really make sense to me. So I think he might actually be thinking about the NFL. I don't know if he's actually, like, going to go, but... He's not going. He's not leaving. However, however, so he just lost his D.C. to the NFL. He took an NFL D.C. job. Do you know Don what... Don Brown. No, do you know what job... No, not Don Brown. The, I think Don Brown's, like, the head coach at UMass or something now. No, he is not. He took a head coaching... I think it's at UMass. He left no, Arizona. Look it up. No way. No, I swear. I swear. Like, UMass, they're awful, but, like... I swear to God. Uh, University of Massachusetts of... Amherst. Yeah, so UMass. Darn it. So. <laughs> Why would they hire a 66-year-old? I mean, they're going to have a defense that you can, unless you're Ohio State, can't score 66 on. So That's hard to do. But That's do you know who that guy, they're Michigan's D.C., you know who he's going to be a D.C. for? Who? Jim Harbaugh's brother. 
John. So, you know, I think Jim and John probably still talk. You think no. maybe Jim's been telling John he's going to come to the NFL? Not since the Super Bowl. <laughs> Not since 2012, that Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. They haven't talked since then. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe – like, why would he leave? I mean, I guess, you know, if you value the NFL better than college. He would you're at D.C. He uh, – I'm not saying he's leaving, but I think he – might leave the Raiders guy earned that job I'm not saying the Raiders I'm just saying Jim Harbaugh in general there's six other jobs okay okay I, just I don't want Harbaugh to go to the Raiders because then the Raiders would be good <laughs> I'm just saying the Raiders guy earned that job period I'm just not convinced they're gonna just give it to him like I think they're gonna do their due diligence he'll interview they'll interview other people and then we'll see but what do I think what do I think, Drew? That the Raiders guy earned that job. Okay. Did he earn it? Yes, he earned it. I mean – When's the last okay. time they're in the playoffs? That's, that's irrelevant. That is not irrelevant. The point here's, – here's my point. I just – like, yeah, he had a good year as an interim. And I don't think he'd do a bad job, but – if you're playing the results here, there'd be a chance that maybe he doesn't pan out. And then if you had an opportunity to hire, you know, Brian Flores or Jim Harbaugh or Doug Peterson or whoever, you know, whoever you could hire, Brian Dayball from the Bills, and then you hire your, you hire your interim, and then in two years he's gone and you haven't won very many games, then, you know, I just think, I just think that, like, obviously he wants a job. I just think you just interview other people. Yeah. And you you hire who's best qualified. And if you think Rich Versace is best qualified and you're the Raiders and you're Mark Davis, then that's what you should do. Job earned. What? Okay. Job that's earned. Gonna it. And that's going to do it. That's going to do it. Wait, you sure? Yep, that's going to do it. What about Tom Brady? What about Tom Brady? Oh. You think he's retiring? I don't need to talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's retiring. So what? Who cares? Is he? Wait, no. We need to talk about this. Mid-career. Mid-career. Oh, you're saying his career is mid. I thought you meant he was retiring mid-career. No, his career was mid. Listen, so real quickly, so the guy that first reported on ESPN that Brady was thinking about retiring was the same dude who mid-season two years ago was reporting that Tom Brady was thinking about leaving New England, and he did. So... I don't get why he's retiring because he's still really good, but maybe, you know, at some point he might need to walk away to, you know, watch his kids grow up and, you know, his kids are getting older. Mm-hmm. Might be time to be a dad. I don't know. Maybe Giselle's been on this case for a few years now. Giselle. It's going to be pretty crazy if he retires and we're just not seeing Tom Brady play every Sunday. Not that I'll be complaining. Not that I'll be complaining either. However, he's pretty – Pretty good at football, some say. It's going to be crazy when Aaron Rodgers retires, too. No, I'm kidding. No, he won't retire. Aaron Rodgers, just go to the Colts and stay out of the AFC West for me. He's, You're not... It's a dome. He's living in, he's, you know, Patrick yeah. Mahomes in a dome, scary time. So, Aaron Rodgers in the dome. That was the stupidest narrative ever because this, <laughs> Mahomes' first game in the dome was, like, his worst game of his career up to that point. Yeah. Do you remember that game? Yeah. It was against Detroit. Yeah, and we won. But he didn't throw any touchdowns. (laughs) 
Like, it was fine, but then everyone was like, oh, Mahomes to the dome, he's going to have 500 yards. I'm like, yeah, because the ball just travels better inside. Mahomes in the snow. I can sling it in anything. I mean, he's the Grim Reaper. So. You know, I like that nickname, but I feel like Chief's Twitter was trying to do too much with it. When things are grim, be the Grim Reaper. Coming to a theater near you. Not as annoying as all these Bengals fanboys calling Joe Burrow Joe Shiesty. That's stupid. By the way, like Joe Shiesty going to go in there and win. Like, no, he's not. Shut up. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not Push P. Okay. Anything else, Drew? Okay, what does the Push and P thing mean while we're here? I have here? no idea. It's a song. It's a song. Ask KU you. is not P. That's what not. that guy signed. What is the they're they're not. They're not P? Yeah, they're KU. They're There's not. no P in KU. It could be a silent P. You never know. <laughs> P-K-U. See? Look. Right. Oh, That's how P. you spell it. That's how you spell it. So. All right. Well, well, this was fun. This was a great time. Thanks, everybody, for listening, all seven of you, if that. Please feel free to add us on Twitter, ask us some questions. We'll do our best to answer them here on the pod. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, so for Drew and myself here in Manhattan, Kansas, we are signing off.